Power Podcasters Changing the Way the World Communicates, starring Scott Patton, the Dean of Blogonomics and Pedology. Scott has been podcasting since 2005, and over 5,000 entrepreneurs just like you have benefited from his extensive knowledge, deep experience, and heart-based coaching. Confused about online marketing, SEO, PPC, SEM, or other obscure letters of the alphabet? Each week in plain English, Scott and his guests share proven strategies guaranteed to ignite your creative juices and get your business moving forward at warp speed. We attribute the success of our podcast to our commitment to excellence and our commitment to you, our valued listeners. So tune in each week as we explore podcasting, internet marketing, and the unweb with Scott Patton at www.powerpodcasters.com. Now strap in, mute your ringer, and get ready to shoot for the stars. Because here's Scott. Hey, Dan. Hey, everybody. Happy to be here. I'm the Dean of Blogonomics and Pedology. I've been teaching people about podcasting since 2005. Got a number of courses on Udemy on that topic, which is really, really exciting. Dan and I worked together at the Internet Marketing Center from around 2003 to 2005. And we've just, uh, you know, developed a good friendship and kept it up for the last 10 years. And when Dan says, I got something I need to tell you, I listen because it's always amazing stuff. Very cool. Very. Let me dive into that. So, Scott, you when you first got started, one interesting thing about this topic actually is that um, makes me think about you. You know, it's funny is how things you've seen this in clothing, you've seen it in all kinds of things that uh, everything kind of has a full circle, right? Yes. What's interesting is a high profile guy you and I both know, I don't know if you knew him back in the uh, IMC days, but I certainly did, uh, named Russell Brunson. Yeah. Uh, pinged me the other day to say that he's taking a course, private $25,000 one day course, right with the guy in person, not like, you know, a Udemy course. Uh, although those are awesome too. Uh, but anyway, he's taking a course with uh, with Neil Patel to upgrade his skills in blogging. <laughs> and I was thinking to myself, wow, is that ever like, you know, 2003 or four, isn't it? Yes. And I mean, we all heard the buzzwords about content marketing. There's nothing new there. But what is new is for years, we've all been pushing these landing pages, squeeze pages, uh, you know, lead pages as you know uh, the software is used and for a while that was working really well to build lists and it still does but recently what's been happening is uh, uh, places like Facebook at Google AdWords they've been dropping accounts that run those kind of pages and in fact Frank Kern got kicked off Facebook ads you know Brunson got kicked off a lot of really big names in the industry have been kicked off of uh, Facebook ads it's really interesting because uh, First of all, there's this community of people who started kind of figuring out the rules. Second of all, there's this community of people who started uh, uh, figuring out how to get unbanned or how to rent accounts to last as long as they can until they get off. But obviously, neither of those approaches is permanent solution, right? Yeah, you'd like to have a long-term solution so you're not constantly trying to game the system. Right, exactly. So, I mean, the stupid thing is nobody really knows what the permanent solution is. I mean, back in the Google days, you know, we had the, the same situation. We had the camp of people who were the link builders and the, you know, I'm not selling text ads, but I really am. And then we had the group of other people who went, we're doing white hat SEO, which, you know, it's just this. Because white hat then is not white hat now, right? Exactly. And it was changing all the time. That was the funny thing, right? Like, so what is white hat? Well, it's doing what Google says we should do, but they didn't tell us we should do it, but we think we should. 
You know what we're talking about based on my hat, everybody. Yeah, so right now we're on the white hat topic. That's right. Hey, you better switch the other one. I'll tell you a story about our friend CJ. <laughs> One time she came to my cubicle and we were working at the Internet Marketing Center. And she said to me, and I kid you not, she's going to just totally get upset with me that I shared this, but it's funny. 2003, she came to my cubicle. She was at IMC for like maybe three weeks. And she said, Dan, everybody keeps uh, talking about black cat SEO. And I don't understand. Like, where do they get this idea about black cats and SEO? <laughs> and I said, it's black hat. <laughs> <laughs> it was meant to be more of a criminal thing, right? <laughs> anyway, today, people are getting kicked off Facebook ads like crazy. People are getting kicked off of AdWords, not as often, but it happens. I had it happen to me in the weight loss space. Um, a client got kicked off there. Um, it was really sad. They weren't very helpful. Um, they gave us a lot of uh, BS reasons. And at the end of the day, here's the interesting thing. The, the bottom line thing that Facebook is concerned about, Google's concerned about, in fact, all the major companies are concerned with even twitter is user experience yeah i was thinking exactly the same thing how much fun is it when you see an ad and you go somewhere and it says want to know more give me your name and email address exactly so that's the whole point right so for a little while there's a bunch of people who said oh well we'll run our video ads with a comment box at the bottom so people can yak about the topic you know have some fun it will give away a bonus and there was this idea that if we just kind of keep putting, you know, some value below our, you know, sales pitch that, you know, that's going to help. But here's the crazy thing. So now I'm just going to kind of dive into this whole thing. So like I said, Brunson and a bunch of other guys have been kind of hinting at this for a while that going back to the basics, going back to blogging, is that what you're telling me? Well, that's a, that's the interesting part, right? So if we go back to basics, if we go back to blogging, if we go back, and then if we think about in the last like nine months, everybody's been buzzing about content marketing, right? It's only been nine, it's just the last nine months? Well, the last nine months, it's gotten really, really hot where everybody's, joking, right? everybody's kind of, uh, you know, they're talking about clickbait headlines and viral mills and, you know, websites that share, you know, content that gets tons of clicks and shares. And Dan on his blog yesterday posted three tips that you won't believe Right. That's the bait click. Yeah. So, I mean, the big question is, well, if we all go back to blogging, if we all go back to content marketing, right, what's the difference between that and, you know, traditional, what's changed? Like, why should we go back to that? What, why, like, if it was, you know, uh, sort of waning in interest, you know, before, why would we go back to that? You know, like it went to that point where, you know, everybody was blogging and then blogging was slowly petering off and, People still read blogs to this day, but it became, you know, everybody shifted over to social media because let's be honest, you post a blog post on Facebook, it's way easier to just like it and share it than it is to open up a separate browser window and all that extra stuff. Mm -hmm. So why would guys like Brunson and other people go back to blog posts? So here's the crazy part. Now, is this white hat or black hat? Because I want to make sure I got the right one on. That's a really good question. Don't tell me it's gray. It's actually gray hat. It really okay. is. I knew it. I knew we were getting into something that I was wearing the wrong hat for. You know what? But here's the funny thing, okay? So this is the, the nexus point between... Not bad what, gray. It'll be this way. On the left side, we have, you know, what we used to do back in the old days, uh, which is just typical blogging, great content, you know, and maybe a comment box on the bottom. And the sort of 2015 thing is what we call content upgrades. Content upgrades. What's that? Have you heard about it? No. 
So a content upgrade is basically, say you're on a blog, you're reading through the post and halfway through the post where you would typically see a Google ad, what you do is you'd put a little uh, blurb or a square box and it would say, do you want an advanced guide to this topic? Or, or would you be interested in a case study where we go a little deeper than this um, with some private information? Click here and then a, a lead boxes box pops up in the page. So now we're into the, the black hat there. <laughs> but yeah, so... The, so the you're one, talking about just in this part, just to keep it keep it clear in my mind, you're actually talking about putting the lead generation, give me your name and email into something the person clicks on the page as opposed to when they see it when they first arrive. Yeah, so basically the... Uh, so it's not when they first arrive. It's actually when they're reading the blog post. No, right, what I meant was we were talking before about everything that got banned was you would go to a page and it would just say, give me your email and your and your name. So they didn't like that. So now you're talking about you go to a page where it's got content and there's a place where if the person clicks it themselves, it'll pop up and ask for the information as opposed to asking for it immediately right off the hop. Right, so basically it's a difference between landing somebody on something that in itself is valuable, is interesting, mm -hmm. that you would share with a friend. Like, would you share a page with just a squeeze page with an email address that says nothing about what you're going to get or very little about what you're going to get? No. With a friend, probably not, right? But would you share a blog post that's already got really juicy, interesting content that happens to have an upgrade mm -hmm. just to the next level, just one notch higher? And, and it's it really kind of speaks to that age-old uh, psychology. Well, it's like sampling, right? At the grocery store, you go and you get a slice of cheese and you taste it and you like it or a chip and you like it and then you buy the bag and away you go. So we're giving you good information and then it's like, well, if you want more, go here. Yeah, so they're called micro-commitments, right? So first off, we get you to read the blog and you're like, wow, this is actually pretty good stuff. You know, I, I'm learning something, you know, going through a really important piece. Like let's say, for example, I was giving away Facebook uh, tricks or something, and I was showing actual uh, Facebook uh, ads that converted really well for me. And then I said, hey, do you want the PSD files? I'll, I'll literally just hand you the actual template files so you can make these ads yourself. One little step above, right? Now, the truth is they, they've got your uh, your walkthrough of how to do the ad. They've got your, your template files, but they might be thinking to themselves, well, hey, now, how do I learn the psychology behind this or the copywriting aspects or juicy words or what, you know, um, or other weird Facebook rules? You could take people who bought that and go to the next level, right? So, I mean, those are all options, but they're micro commitments. So anyway, yeah. So burying things right within there. So opt-in monster, it's a WordPress plugin. I think it's like, you know, 20, 40 bucks or something has this ability to make text on your page clickable. So that, you know, you can literally just have regular everyday text where you're like, you know, here's an example of a proposal you can use when pitching your next client. Click here and it'll have a little box pop up that says email address, instant access. Wow. And in the very bottom of that little box, it'll say we hate spam too, by the way. You know, and so what's interesting is you probably know the, the, the fellow that runs that website, Backlinko, right? He's a major SEO guy. But anyway, there's that site and... Uh, this website called Code in WP, which stands for WordPress.com. Both of them ran uh, really interesting case studies about how they tried uh, a bottom right corner pop up. Uh, they tried these, you know, what are called behavioral pop ups, which, like, you know, it's weird. Is a year ago, behavioral pop ups came up. They were started initially by um, 
Neil Patel started doing what are called behavioral pop-ups, which is where you jerk your mouse up into the left to hit the back button, and that's when the pop-up appears. It's basically like, you know what, you can keep reading if you're enjoying the content, stay here. But if you're not enjoying the content, here's a pop-up. Like if you're about to leave, hey, wait, before you leave, here's something else, dude. And believe it or not, that was working for a little while, but right now that's actually annoying the heck out of people again. Yeah, it would be great if people just stopped annoying everybody. Right. That's the challenge, right? Like, how do you be a great marketer and at the same time, you know, like, how do you get tons of opt-ins and at the same time not annoy people? Mm -hmm. This is what content upgrades are perfect for. And there's no market that can't use a content upgrade. Sure. You know, I mean, whether you're, you know, offering uh, email marketing tips or, you know, or uh, podcasting tips or what's that called? Uh, stock tips or anything. You know, the whole idea of writing a juicy blog post, which is really easy because basically what I've discovered, I actually should share this with you. Um, you know, that book, Talk Like Ted, have you started reading it? I have started reading it. Yes. The first chapter that, remember, did you read that part about the guy who was saying when people read stories, the, both the listener and the speakers pleasure centers in the same spots fire up in their brains like yeah so what if you could literally vulcan mind meld for real with somebody that scientifically that's exactly what happens when you tell put your head to the right put your head to the right other right more more up a little bit no too far (laughs) we're mind melding (laughs) it's funny on my screen it'd have to be this way for some reason (laughs) If you can move the people. Oh, I see. So you see, you didn't. So I have to go over here for you. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) We'll see how it records and and replays, which way is the mind meld. Yeah, exactly. So either way, the whole point is that if you like combining all the things that we know so far, if you were to write an amazing story, I mean, every industry has a story like, like, you know. Oh, sure. Every company has a story. Every salesperson has a story. Yeah, but even within like the smaller context of like, you know, how a product's being used or, you know, um, a story of a certain guy who, you know, did this, this and this and was in the army and got a bunch of money from the stock market. Yeah. Why do people have such a hard time sharing their stories? Well, I mean, I think that there's a huge pile of reasons. You might not be uh, articulate with words, right? There's a lot of people that aren't that way. You know what I think is really interesting is when we get into these kind of conversations like we're having right now, I have a number of clients who are, you know, they're the general labor, blue collar type. So they wouldn't be able to write a speech and, and speak it in front of a big crowd. However, what's really interesting is when I call them up on the phone, you know, and I say, okay, I'm going to hit record now. And I say, hi, my name is Dan. And today we're talking with Nader from Topcraft Wood in Calgary. Now, Nader, tell us a little bit about fiberglass doors. Why would somebody want to install one of those? And he'll just blab. And man, he sounds yeah. great. Yeah. And so I'll hit pause. And I'm like, all right, we're going to shove that up on your website. And people are going to listen to that and go, wow, he's a cool guy. Mm-hmm. I position him as the expert. And, and uh, you know, me and uh, James Martell have done the same thing. And I think sometimes we need to go back to conversations. We need to go back to stories. And it's funny, right? Because those are all things that are natural to humans. And yet, for some reason, we don't do it. We think that straight knowledge-based information on on the web is... And that's one of the reasons why testimonials are so powerful, right? Because that really is somebody telling the story of the use of your service product, whatever it is, and uh, how it impacted them. And, And we relate to those sort of things a lot easier than just, oh, it does this, 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 and looks after you and be fine. It's like, 
know, when Susie or Joey gets up and says, yeah, you know, every night there was water dripping onto my bed because there was a hole in the roof and then Acme Roofing came and fixed it and now I can sleep and it's nice and dry. Exactly. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a funny thing. The uh, Obviously, I mean, at the end of the day, stories work and that's why testimonials work and that's why if you can get a, a heartfelt story. Like I said, back to that TED book, the one thing that blew my mind away in that first chapter was the one guy who had the longest standing O and, and on top of that got the most amount of donations, a million dollars worth of donations. Now, how long are these talks? 18 to 20 minutes? 18 minutes is what you get. 18 minutes. Okay. 18 minutes. There's people, there's guys that speak for two hours. All right. And they try and get the Pied Piper routine going to the back of the room for the order form. After two hours, we want to leave. We don't want to give you a standing ovation. Right. But 18 minutes, this guy, and, and what does he do? Does he relay all kinds of crazy information? Does he yeah. hurt? Yeah. Cares? Stats. Lots of stats. None of that stuff. No, no stats. So what the guy used. Talks about how great he was, right? And everything that he did. Right. Built up his credibility. Or did he sit there and yak about stories about his grandma? No, 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 no. Not grandma. He a million dollars in donations, Scott. I mean... My what? grandma was a sweetheart. Every time. <laughs> million dollars right here, folks, or at least give me some hats in the back. Does that not blow your mind? Yeah, I know. It's amazing. You sit there and yak about your grandma all day and, and millions of dollars would pour in and get a standing O? Yeah, that, was, that should be required. I haven't actually done it, so I'm going to today. That should be required watching. The 18-minute TED Talk that brought in a million dollars in donations. And, and genuinely, like, when I read that, I was just, like, mind-blown. And I kind of thought to myself, this is a bloody awesome book. <laughs> but, I mean, like, so you have to ask yourself, right? Like, I mean, you know, we're putting all this energy into uh, selling our ideas, just the whole content itself. What if we just go back to the core of stories? So, summarizing, my whole point, the one thing I really wanted to share today, and there's the book Talk Like Ted, where it talks about uh, all those killer ideas and scott's got it right side up now the whole point i wanted to make today was that russell and some of the big industry leaders i've seen this kind of going on in the underground right now everybody's rushing to back to uh content marketing specifically everybody was doing the black hat thing they were sending everybody to squeeze pages and the squeeze pages are getting kicked off facebook is saying that what they really want to see is user experience they want to see people loving and liking and sharing whatever it is that they're getting so by sharing a blog post with content upgrades you can have both you know happy facebook happy google and 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 such but you can also whether you're a plumber whether you're well it doesn't matter what uh, industry you're in you could be a hairstylist you could be anything and the content upgrades function using a WordPress plugin where somebody clicks on a, a piece of text or a small little windowed box within the content and, you know, you can get results and share your content. So you can keep Google happy, Facebook happy, Bing happy, while at the same time building your email list, getting leads, um, and, and building up uh, your presence online. At the same time, I'm sure the article, if it was decent, would get shares and likes and comments and all that kind of stuff. But people are going to want those upgrades, especially if the first upgrade's free. And I mean, like they say in the drug world, right? You know, the first hit's free. The whole idea is that you get people hooked. Hook them. Hook yeah, you get them hooked. And then, of course, 
as long as you can kind of keep that value chain going, you know, the rest is history. I mean, the, the cash will flow. Yeah, I think that's a really important strategy and a really good strategy too. Yeah. So like I said, that was the the big aha for me this week was two things. One, I was hunting around for, I've actually got a client who I've been working on their stuff and I'm a little concerned about the opt-in rate. I mean, it's there, it, they are getting some, but it's nowhere near where I wanted it to be. And so I started talking to some different people and I thought, well, let's find out if anybody's got any case studies on what's working now. Hmm. And that's when I found out about what's, what are you know, kind of commonly referred to as content upgrade. Let's do a little bit of the nuts and bolts for a second. I do a blog post, what, 200 words, four words, 8,000 words. How long should it, you know, what's the kind of the... You know, it's funny, Scott, my favorite copywriting joke of all time is that all content should be as long as a woman's dress, right? As long as a woman's what? Dress. Dress, okay. Right, so long enough to cover the subject, but short enough to be interesting. I see. Right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it's true. The, the whole idea is I don't think there's an official length, right? I mean, obviously you want at least two paragraphs there, but um, the point is you have to have enough content that you're going to give value even if they don't get the upgrade. By itself, land one idea or land one juicy thing in the blog post. Now, but I think that, I think you hit it right there is you should have one point. This is what I want to tell you today about whatever it is. And then if you have another point, do a different blog post. Right. Now, within that context, I mean, that point can have several elements within it, right? Like, for example, if you wanted to show somebody six successful Facebook ads, uh, three types of, you know, stock trading or two types of podcast episode guide or outline. Top 10 list, obviously, that's not one point. Right. But it's one. It is. It can be one. But it's not a top 10 list of 10 different things. It's a top 10 list of one thing, right? Exactly. But then what I'm saying is keep it focused on one topic. Yeah. But then you could say within that context, you could be like, well, you know, here's the top 10, these three things or these five things or 10 things, but then you could have the content upgrade, right? The content upgrade could be the, uh, the advanced version, the templates for the episodes for your podcast or, or whatever. But that's the whole point. Like the content upgrades work for for everything, but the post itself has to have enough value on its own. Yes. Don't scrimp on value. Right. That's what blew my mind away this week was like I was looking at some of what uh, some of my friends uh, in the expert space were doing. And when they share content, first of all, Facebook gives you a discount when you start seeing engagement. Right. So, um, you know, you can literally get 20 cent clicks or 15 cent clicks to your content. And then the second thing is that, of course, you're driving them to content, the, the user is happy, everybody's happy, they're reading a blog post and they're getting value out of it. You can do what's called a content upgrade. Somewhere in the text, there's a little link that says, would you like something even better than this already great content? And you've already got one win, right? You've already got one thing they're happy about. It's, it's really easy to go to that next step and just get one more thing. John just joined us. I'm sure you probably recognize the name there, Scott. Hi, John. And uh, you know, and John, you know, produces that really juicy content. And he does that that thing as well. The whole idea of the uh, micro commitments or the small little upgrades, where you get one thing for free, like you join him for the live show, and you know, there's all these little series of jumps from one little commitment to the next little commitment. Before you know it, you're at a live event or. Uh, subscribe to one of the programs and getting even more value. Back in the day, Scott, uh, the guy who used to do a really good job of that in our world was, uh, do you remember Fred Gleek's funnel system? Oh, Fred's great. Yeah. yeah. He's actually still out there doing his thing. 
I but, think he took me off his email list or something because I don't recall getting. I used to get Gleeks something. I forget what he called it, and they were always great. They would be blog posts now. They were emails then. Maybe it's on his blog now, and he stopped. I don't know. Yeah, I know. Back in the day, I used to show every single uh, coaching client uh, for Gleeks funnel system, and I used to show that you know he used to have this whole thing. Here's your freebie. Here's your next thing. Your next thing. Your next thing, and it would be this value chain or the whole enchilada for a grand. Yeah. So uh, he's that PDF is still available free to this day. If you Google Fred Gleek's funnel system PDF, it's been updated. It used to have like the first one was like a cassette, <laughs> <laughs> and it was like a free report and all these different things. The delivery mechanisms have changed, but the system is evergreen. Right. Exactly. So now you can download Scott Patton's cassettes on iTunes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I still remember when you used to have to put a needle on that stuff of yours, Scott. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Technology is just so. I actually was listening to a podcast I did in nineteen, sorry, two thousand and six or seven, and at that time I was actually going over to their place with the mic and recording was so bad. The quality was just unbelievably bad, and we were so happy at the time about it. Right, people were just loving it. I remember you had like six hundred thousand subscribers, right? Yeah, yeah, the weight loss in the mind. But you could not get them to listen to it today because it's just too much noise. It's really funny. Well, I mean, I can tell the difference between the mics. But I mean, that's part of life, right? You start somewhere and then it's just constant improvement until you're a champ. Yeah, exactly. You got to put your 10,000 hours in. Yeah, no, I still remember the, the uh, that uh, beautiful location you used to do the podcast in. It oh, was yeah. Cool. How could you not be inspired sitting up that high off the ground? Yeah, 33 floors above downtown yeah. Vancouver. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, it's beautiful. That's Yale Town, right? Yale Town, yeah. So what you're basically saying, Dan, is this actually is really revolutionary when you think about it, right? Because the typical, if you were to ask me the plan, right, it would be get Facebook ads, get Google ads, send them to a opt-in page, which basically is like your picture, sign up here, then you'll send them a drip of information. And what you're saying quite rightly is, Facebook, when they when you pay them two bucks to send somebody to that page and that person comes back and says, even though it didn't cost them anything except 30 seconds, I don't like that. Facebook is going, oh, dear, that's going to cause people not to click on the ads. So we need to make sure that when they click on the ads, if the ad, first of all, is consistent, what you're promising in the ad and what you get are, are right. And it's interesting and engaging, which really makes sense, right? So Facebook and Google and these guys are saying, you know what? We're tired of people not clicking on our ads because you guys have really bad content. They want content. They want information. They want engagement. They want entertainment. They want stories. You're not giving it to them. You're giving them a picture and, you know, sign up. So I think great for Google and, and Facebook. I mean, it's obviously good business. And it really makes us better at communicating because if we do the lazy thing, well, we got away with it for two years. Now it's black hat and Google's going to shut you down. So do what's white hat and have a long-term business. That's exactly right. You know, at the end of the day, what's really crazy is back in the day, if you remember Omniture and all those kind of things, it was an auction style system. You could run any kind of ad you wanted and it didn't matter what you did to the user or what you shoved in their face or how much you kind of fibbed about your credibility. They let you run the ad. What we're seeing now is we went through that season where they were auctioning and they were doing all these other kind of things to sort of 
say, okay, well, if you get more clicks than everybody else, if the users like you, will you know, let you uh, pay less. Now we're getting to a point where it's like, okay, well, they've already got enough millions of dollars pouring in. They can switch over to, let's be honest, uh, if the users don't like you, you know, we don't care how much you're paying. It's when you've got one customer and when you've got 100 million customers. Yeah, you know, it's really weird. Like, it used to be that, you know, uh, the little guys would get kicked off, but if you were a big guy and you were, you know, kind of okay and you're spending twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 a month, we'll keep you even if you're not 100% legit. But now it's getting to the point where there's guys that are spending like a hundred grand a month on Facebook ads and they get shut off and Facebook doesn't care uh, about the money side. All they care about is... Well, they care about a longer term money side is what I, the way I would put it, right? It's like, we can, I can trick you today, shame on you. I can trick you tomorrow, shame on you. Or I forget how that thing goes. But eventually, everybody's going to know this is the way the thing works. And so it's long term. Nobody's going to click on the ads if they're not bringing you good stuff. Exactly. I remember that famous George Bush line when, when he said... Uh, Fool me once, uh, shame on you, but uh, but fool me can't get fooled again. <laughs> but uh, it's supposed to be shame on me, right? Because obviously once you get shame, you know, screwed twice, it's kind of your own fault, right? Kind of your own fault, that's right. Well, you know, you bring up a really good point because I very rarely click on a Facebook ad. And the reason is, is I just assume they're going to sell me something and I'm not interested. Right. So, you know, if the whole idea actually of a Facebook ad showing me content that would be interesting is really foreign to my whole concept of there's that sponsored ad on Facebook, right? And I think if it had, if it was interesting and it wasn't presented as, you know, go here to buy the WordPress plugin or go here to buy my book or go here to, if it was just here is a solution to a problem, you know, that I think you might be interested in. And even if you put no pitch, just good information, I mean, what would that do for your Facebook page or your blog page or your opt-ins when it's not kind of, it's kind of like, I don't want to go into a car dealership to look at cars because I know that there's going to be two guys charging up to me to want to sell me a car when I just sort of want to look around by myself. Yeah, exactly. You know, so I think a lot of times the, the ads have that feeling about them. So then the good marketer is how do you get rid of that feeling, right? How do you get it? So, here's a, you know, here's a problem and here's a kind of a solution, you know, check it out if you want sort of thing. I guess I'm saying make it safe. Like you're not going to pickpocket me. Exactly. You know, if a car dealer were to actually do a, an, you know, a full page write up on the 2017 Civic and here's what the interior shots look like and exterior shots. And within that article body, you know, they're sharing on Facebook, everybody's sharing it because it's just, you know, some cool pictures and that's all it is. Yeah. Anybody who's a Honda lover is going to share some pictures. In the actual, you know, article, they could easily have a link that says, you know, do you want to see, you know, the full-blown video and test drive video uh, from Car and Driver? And so they, of course, you know, put in their their contact info and get that delivered. And then next thing you know, now it's, hey, why don't you come down and drive it? No obligation. Just sit in it, you know, smell the leather, feel the shifter in your hand, feel the thrust, you know, shoving down the accelerator. So what's the next step? Like, what's the call to action here? Like, I'm not saying pitch anybody listening to I'm, I'm saying like, as somebody that says, that says, well, I want to do these ads, or I am doing these ads, like, what should I, what should I do? Well, I think the call to action, really, I mean, one thing I'd love it if everybody did was uh, join the, you know, uh, uh, list builders uh, paradise on Facebook, which is a group I'm starting for people wanting to grow their list. But and how much do you charge a month for that, Dan? Zero. Oh, it's free. Content upgrade from here to join our list. 
truthfully, I mean, obviously you could install the opt-in monster plugin and, and obviously start putting some of those in your, your thing. Um, you know, you could go to, Wait, let's just talk about this for a second, just to make sure where everybody's clear. You get a free plug. Is it a free plugin? Right. The one I'm talking about, is not free, but it's cheap. Okay. So it's an inexpensive plugin that you buy called monster plugin. Is it available on WordPress plugin platform or do you have to Google it and find it? sales page uh well i mean you can just google it it's called uh opt-in monster one of the most popular all right so then you get that you put it into your wordpress and then every blog post you make you can highlight a certain you can put in a little snippet of text you want to know more click here yeah and that pops up an opt-in box where you can say you know give me your information and i'll send you an email with the link yeah i think the one i'm talking about specifically is called monster link and it lets you put uh, a triggered opt-in form in your blog content. I don't actually know how much. I mean, obviously, you can just Google it, and it'll be the first result there. Mon Monster link. It's, uh, Michael Crows 3 wants to join us. Should we uh, find out what he wants to know and what we can? Bet. Sure. Leave a blob. Hey, Michael. Here I am. Here he is. I want to know every damn thing, so just start talking. <laughs> You're supposed to start talking. Uh, I will, but all of a sudden your volume went down. What was that? Let me adjust it here. Okay, I'll talk for a second. Sarah. There, you got it. Now I can hear you all. By the way, Scott, yes. you're like one of my uh, all-time old heroes. I host a couple of my podcasts, my old podcasts, on mypodcastworld.com. Well, thank you. Which I have recommended to everybody, but I just, before I ask my questions about Facebook and, and list building, I, I need to know, how long is this going to be for free? And what the hell's up with this? I get that question often. I believe everybody should have a voice. And I think there should be no reason not to have a voice. When we created my podcast world, that wasn't our original intent, but the first intent was to get it up. And then uh, we got it up and we had no e-commerce uh, aspects to it. And we just have never got around to adding that part to it. And since we haven't, I do a lot of work with nonprofits and I actually was on a Skype call to Rwanda talking to eight or nine nonprofits in Rwanda. And one of them said, well, exactly what you said. And I said, well, I really think everyone should have a voice. There should be no reason not to. Well, then you must be like, but rich, because that, there's got to be a lot of bandwidth being used up there. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to get into my budgets. What kind of happens is by having the platform, it leverages my credibility. So when I have clients or I talk to people about podcasting or whatever, then there's a, a part of that cost that I just push over to pay for my podcast world. And so far, I haven't gone broke. So, you know, there's a philosophy that if you just put something out to the world, somehow the world will put something back to you. And every month, it gives me enough money to pay my, my hosting fees and eat. So I'm okay with that. Daniel, I think that Scott is very well moneyed. I really do. I think that, you know, whatever he's spending on this is like a drop in the bucket to him. Thank you, Scott. I really, but I, I, I think, you know, he's sounding poor, but I think he's very, very well moneyed. Now, getting back to the. Give me a loaf of bread, Michael. I'll, I'll happily accept. I'm not allowed to ship bread to Canada. <laughs> you know, I remember when I was a kid, I'm old, and we lived in Detroit. We would go to Canada all the time. And when we went to Canada, and I don't know, I'm, I'm talking young. I was like six years old. Okay, family so would load us up in the, in, in the family truckster, and we'd go to Canada. And for some damn reason, we always went to Canada with a poop load of butter. Because for some oh. reason, back in the 50s, butter in Canada was oh. very expensive. 
It still is. And and we took butter to Canada to a friend of my dad's who had a store up there. And oh. we just did this as a favor. And and my mother used to just like, you know, we're going to get caught in customs. We're just a family going to Canada. You know, and we had the, the whole, we had a, 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 four, a 1960, 1960 Ford Falcon station wagon. And the whole damn back of this thing was loaded with butter. <laughs> and we would go there like every two months with a big load of butter and we never got caught but i was always scared everybody else is taking beer and booze across the border you're taking butter in 1960 butter was the big thing and now you see you guys sell uh what is the thermogenic food supplement that's not available here ephedra you guys sell ephedra at health food stores up there, and we don't here. So everybody I know who lives in Detroit goes over to Toronto to get ephedra. Makes me well, jittery. We go across and sneak stuff back too. What do you sneak back? Bread and butter. No. <laughs> yeah, no bread and butter is not the other thing. Like half price gas, twenty miles on the other side of the border. It's unbelievable. What does gas cost in Canada? Over four bucks a gallon. Wow, I just paid two oh three today in Clearwater, Florida. Well, I'm going to stick my podcast back on my podcast world. By the way, the other quick question I will ask you before I get back to Daniel is, and it's such a hoot to talk to you. I mean, I've been a fan forever. I knew you from Potomatic. Yes. Remember Potomatic? Still around. Yes. So I remember you from way back when in Potomatic. But um, the stats that are on your site, okay, so they look a little unbelievable to me. They're correct as far as I know, based on the way that we get the stats. We have a problem with the stats right now in that they're over four gigs in size or something. And when it gets to four gigs, so I don't know, Excel does something weird. So I've got the programmers for the last month working on, I always like the kind of like all time stats, right? Because it's great to be able to say, you know, when all, every, you know, like there's, 200,000 people have listened to my podcast or downloaded it or whatever. Yeah. But that's a hard stat to keep. So they're working on maybe figuring out what your stats are for 2015 and then take that number and make it into a hard number that they just add on. I don't know. He's he's working on it and sure how hard he's working on it, actually. Well, well tonight I am going to the Florida Podcasters Association meeting. Oh, cool. And a year ago at that meeting, I think I made a video on YouTube. If you look on my YouTube channel, you'll find it where I, I did a screenshot of my podcast world. And I showed it to everybody like a year ago. And I swear, these are all John Lee Dumas heads there. Okay. You know, they are, these are all worshipers of the God of John Lee Dumas. Great guy. I love him. He's a rich guy. Yeah. And they all, everybody, it was like I had brought Satan into the room. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was like, you're going to put your feet up. I said, oh, I've got my feet up there. You know, my feet is there. And I here's my stats. Look, look. And it's it's there. And it, well, it's not dependable. I said, it's very dependable. I get all these damn downloads on iTunes and everything works wonderfully. I just put it up and they give me a little tiny web page. I don't use your little tiny web page, but it's there. If you were to ask me, I would say, don't use it. I mean, it's there. If it brings some traffic for you, great. But you should not use it because you can embed your podcast into I, your blog. Right? That's what I do. I, that's what I was doing. Well, you see, I, my, I'm no longer podcasting because... If you know all of the people who are on your my podcast world, Home and Garden Radio 
was my podcast. Also another one called Ernesto Durango, which you hosted. And the radio network, I'm on 40 radio stations across country. I've been with these people for 28 years and they change ownership all the time. And the new owners out of Dallas told me that I was no longer, and some time ago told me I was no longer allowed to stick my stuff up on iTunes, that everything I set into a microphone, they owned and they would put out on the web as they see fit. Wow. And, uh, and they said, it's in your contract. And I didn't believe it. And then I looked and they were right. But now there's a new boss. There's a new boss every Tuesday at four o'clock. Uh, but uh, the new boss doesn't care. So I'm about ready to <laughs> launch uh, the new podcast. By the way, the radio show is now called Ask the Garden Geek. And it was designed as a podcast. It's a one hour show, but there's four segments. And each segment is designed as an eight to 11 minute segment, depending upon you know how that goes. And they're all individual. Although they play as an hour radio show, they're all individual. They're all by the, you know, stand by themselves. And I'm getting ready to launch that again. Yeah. And I'm going to launch it on my podcast world. Screw, why should I pay all that money to the other people when I can pay you nothing but say nice things about you? Yes. And make videos. I made videos about you, man. I know. I, I was actually just thinking, I remember a video you did where you were talking about my podcast world. I don't think you're talking about me, but I think you're no. I, I I think I did mention you in it, but you <laughs> know, some guy named Scott somewhere. Don't worry. Some guy named Scott up in Canada, where it's cold. Uh, Michael, I have. Um, I don't know if you know. I have three podcast courses. One's the basic podcast, like my, my main one, and then there's two on a couple other topics. So I'm going to uh, send you a link so you can watch them free and and. Uh, you are a kind and wondrous person as a reward for joining us on this blab and for all the nice things that you have said by the way are you familiar with uh scott smith no motivation to move.com okay motivation to move.com i'm aware i didn't know that was his name yes and he does a nine minute a day podcast and has since 2005 i modeled my garden podcast after his nine minutes Although his nine minutes, sometimes it goes to 10 and, and things like this. And he used to charge a subscription, which I paid for, by the way. It was $19.95 a month. And I paid for it for a long time. And then he stopped charging. And uh, he now has sponsors on it. And he's in Orlando. This is what happens on Blabs. They, they get hijacked. But I really have to ask you this question. And it totally has nothing to do with yes. Facebook and Dan. And, you know, God bless him. He's just quietly listening to his Blabs. He's being patient and kind. What do you think of a subscription model for a podcast? Like I've got a free, so you have a free podcast. And then by the way, if you want, you know, my free podcast is nine minutes or 10 minutes, a, a, you know, once a week or whatever it is. And, but I do a 20 minute podcast and buy that as a subscription. I know Lipson has that yep. model. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then as you were talking about this person and having one and then not having one, I just, I was just wondering what you thought of that. I, I think it, it's wonderful. Now he said, that he had um, 1,600 subscribers. Now, do I believe that he had 1,600 well, subscribers? Let's pretend he's telling the truth. Huh? We'll pretend he's telling the truth. Yeah, well, you know, he has a motor home and, and, and a trophy oh. wife and a beautiful home in Oviedo. So, you know, it probably was, I don't know. Um, he afford all the bread he wants to. Yeah, and uh, he, um, it, he had two options, the 1995 a month, which I, partook in. And then he had a $29.95 a month, which included something called the Business Boost, which I then subscribed to and really loved. And he took the Business Boost and got rid of it. And he had another physical fitness one that he got rid of. So, And then he uh, knocked all of it down to free, 
with just sponsorships. I think if you have good content, I think that if people love you, I think if you can engage with people and they want to follow you, the only way I can answer that is I've been doing radio for 28 years on a national level. And back in the 90s, when radio was not what was more regulated than it is now, and three companies didn't own all of the radio stations, and I was on 270 radio stations. Wow. Uh, my audience did everything I asked them to do. Mm. And I made in excess of $100,000 to $150,000 a year off of a two-hour Saturday radio show. Wow. Just doing that and providing links. At, well, not this was like before internet. Uh, we had a infrastructure over at the, at the old house with 800 numbers and we sold products and people called and bought everything I sold. And it was rather amazing. That is amazing. Uh, so I am positive that if you in a podcast and I, by the way, I've got sometime when we're not taking Daniel's time, I will tell you of an experiment I did last December when I was still podcasting I, and I was only using your server to do this home and garden radio and shipping it off to iTunes, the difference in the numbers at that time uh, compared to my radio audience. And the way I did it was rather unique. The way I tested it was rather unique. But trust me, it was mind-boggling. But we'll amount. have to do a blab on that, Michael. Uh-huh. We'll have to do a blab well, on I that. I will be happy to. I will tell you how it worked. I will go into great detail. And... I was just absolutely amazed at the power of podcasting. Wow. So, I mean, I pretty much made the decision. I'm going back to podcasting. I'm going to do the Ask the Garden Geek. I'm going to stick that back up on, on your server here soon. And I'm also going to do another really niche one in the pest control industry called the Pest Control Podcast. And it's going to be designed for pest control companies to listen to. Nine so minutes. One of the ways that you can get extra traffic is Facebook ads, right, Dan? It, which is what I wanted to talk about. That was my segue. <laughs> now, the segue into Facebook ads is, is, Dan, I have a pest control business. It's a small one. I had retired, got divorced, unretired, and uh, my son and I run it. I want to do Facebook advertising in one of the little towns near us. I have no idea how to do this. But I met a guy at one of the meetups who started a lawn care business, a lawn mowing business, strictly on Facebook. And he only wanted customers in the small town of Dunedin. And he ran Facebook ads in the small town of Dunedin. And he spent $5 a day until he needed 60 customers. And it took him three weeks to get 60 customers. Wow. Yeah. It's pretty easy that way. How does one do that? Well, I mean, obviously, the first thing is picking your, you know, your targets, right? I mean, yes. When you go to the facebook.com forward slash ads forward slash manage, if you don't have an ad account, you go there and it'll create one for you. Basically, when you go to create the ad, the first thing it'll ask you is, you know, where do you want to, you know, where do you want these people to be from? So you'd pick your town, of course, or the areas you're willing to service. Now, the, ch the challenge is, that depending on how big your region is, you might not want absolutely everybody. I've got a, a septic client, for example, where you know, we realize that, you know, obviously if somebody's on the grid, they're not a client for him because he builds septic treatment systems. So right. you know, if you're on the grid, you don't need one. So so we focus around people who like horses. We focus around people who like farming and certain farm implements. Uh, you know, now, certain where, are, where are you, Daniel? Are you in the United States? 
I'm in southern Canada, uh, so basically... Uh, He's 20 miles away from me, Michael. Oh, okay. I'm just outside Vancouver. You understand the concept in the United States of zip codes. Can you Facebook via by zip codes? You can, and even by the sub-zip codes. Well, so, I would just want to do zip codes because I want to build a very tight pest control route in if, one zip code. But if you think about it, there's certain targets within your zip code. There are certain likes and dislikes that would kind of hint to there's somebody who's going to have a pest problem. I think you probably see it more in older houses, right? Older house, you know, this is Florida. There's bugs every damn place. True, but I mean, we, we were at a doctor's house that was a million dollar house not long ago. I mean, you could eat off the damn floors, and he had German cockroaches. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, there. Uh, this is Florida. That's high class cockroaches, German high class cockroaches. They're they're, they're you know. And, and, and by the way, I hired a Facebook consultant and i am just so pissed at all i gave him like 300 bucks and i wish i'd have taken that 300 bucks and gone to disney or something because this guy was totally worthless he said oh no what you want to do is you want a facebook page for your business and in the ads you just want to get people to come to your facebook page and like you no i want them to spend money with them I want. I have this little device here. It's called a Fenortner. And when people use their Fenortners and go on my Fenortner, it twinkles. And I want my Fenortner to twinkle. I don't want friends on Facebook. I want this thing to go ring, 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 ring. That's what I want. And I tried to explain. I said, I want to put a direct response ad on Facebook. And he tells me I can't do that. Why the hell can't I do that? I want to put an ad that says pest control special, $75 every three months, up to 2,000 square feet house. Here's the Fenortner number right here. Dial us up. Can you do that? Is that possible? He told me I couldn't. I threw him out. Yeah, see, the truth is you can actually get click to calls, right? I mean, you could actually do that. I don't want them to click to call. I want them to pick up their phone and call my phone. I want them to look at it and say, hey, he does pest control for $75 every three months. Orkin charges $220 every three months. I want this guy. We make a lot of money doing $75 pest controls. Okay, we do. So I want to call this guy right now. That's what I want. Right now, I use a service called Home Advisor. I don't know if you have that in Canada. Yeah. Yeah, I pay per lead. And I sold things on it today. It was rather remarkable. You know, you get a lead, you call the people back, you engage with them, you have contact with them. If I engage with somebody, I've got an 85% chance of closing them. And that's wonderful. But I built the original pest control business that I retired out of, out of direct response advertising. In other words, people saw a, a flyer or an ad of what we did, how much it cost, and then they called to buy from us. And I want to do that on Facebook because I, you know, Everybody and their damn brother. There's no kids on Facebook anymore. You're talking about, so I just want to kind of summarize this. And then it's basically, it pops up. I live in this little town. I'm on Facebook. This ad pops up. It says, got pests. Call me. 75 bucks. Guaranteed. Done. So what happens is, because what we were talking about before you came on was this whole long process. But what you're saying is, if you've got pests, you got a problem, you got 75 bucks, call me. I'll talk to you. I close eighty five percent. I don't need you to go to a opt in page. I don't need you to go to a blog. I don't no, need you to go no. Where else? I'm not. I don't want to show you how to do it. Pick I just want phone you. and call me. 
just pick up the phone and call me. So that's a really basic Facebook ad. Now, do they have any problem with that type of ad, Dan? I don't think so. But the big key thing is that, I mean, it's a couple of issues that you might face. One is that in those big image ads, you're not allowed to put uh, more than 20% text. You might just want to put the phone number as that 20% text. Um, And then try and think of a really... um, Well, I can make the ad a graphic, a JPEG. That's right. But what I'm saying is that you're, you're allowed 20% text, so you might as well you use that. And, for the oh, so you're not talking about 20% text in the image. If the image has got text, that's okay, not included? Right. So the Im- you can have as, I think you can have as much text as you want on top of the ad, depending on the ad unit. What I'm talking about is in within the JPEG, you're not allowed to have more than 20% of the JPEG size be text. Okay. So anyway, Press control, $75. Big cockroach, German. Yeah, uh, pest control, $75, 727-201, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, exactly. I can do that. In the background of the image, Mm -hmm. to get that engagement and to get get people sharing it, because believe it or not, if you have an ad that gets shared, liked, and and engaged with, you're actually going to get free advertising because they don't charge for that extra engagement. So if you could have in the background of that image, either a woman standing on a stool with a spider on the ground or, you know, interesting, funny thing that people can laugh at, you know, and, uh, and, you know, at the same time, obviously, uh, you know, get the point across. The biggest mistake people make with you choosing the image for a Facebook ad is that people, Tony Robbins said that people don't actually, people are more motivated by fear than they are for the gain of pleasure. So your benefit, like, you know, uh, uh, save, you know, $85, nobody cares about that. But what they do care about is losing X amount of dollars, right? So long story short is like, if you put a picture of a perfectly clean house, nobody would ever bother paying you 75 bucks. I want a woman scared poopless looking at a cockroach standing on a chair. Yeah, I think that would be a great image. Mm -hmm. And I know the woman to, to get to pose for us. And she has large American breast. And you, can, if you can get a graphic person to take the cockroaches and make them like this big, and yeah, three or four giant cockroaches underneath her chair. I can do that. You know, Fiverr is really good at that crap. Yes, exactly. So that, I mean, that's the. How much the would way. I spend? Should I spend a day to to get that out? That's a really good question. And, and well, am I going to pay per click? Five dollars. Five dollars. You think five dollars? I'd go $5 for a week and see what happens. If mm-hmm. And how many? So always start with the end in mind. How many people do you want? I would like to add 100 customers. So I would start five bucks, go for three or four or five days, mm-hmm. maybe a week, because sometimes Monday and Saturday are very different. Mm-hmm. And then say, okay, I spent five bucks a day. I got all my people. I'm done. I got five bucks a day. I got two people. I'm not done. But uh, two people means I go 10, 15, and then and maybe. And, and since it's not a. It's going to be a graphical ad, and people aren't going to click it, but they may see it, and the phone number is going to be part of it. Am I going to save money? If it gets engagement, you'll save money. If people see it, they'll buy in front of people. I started the business in 1985 by printing up little flyers that said, and this will tell you the prices. Now we charge $75, and we roll these things up. I have a YouTube video on that also. But we roll these flyers up, eight and a half by 11 flyers up, and put a rubber band around it. And the thing that you saw printed on the outside was pest control, $15. And it was on yellow, bright yellow paper. And I, we drove around and we put 5,000 of these things down on the lawn 
in front of people's mailboxes every Friday night. And we had a route. And we built a couple of routes, full routes of pest control doing that. And it, when people see the message, if they need the service, it's an engagement. They see that. Yeah. And, they're, you know, I, I'm, I'm not trying to get Scott, who doesn't have any bugs, to be my customer. I really don't want you, Scott, if you don't have bugs, to be my customer. But if you've got German cockroaches in Canada, I would immediately move to Greenland because that's just weird having German cockroaches in Canada. But um, weird in Florida too. No, it's not. And uh, German cockroaches, by the way, across the Atlantic, they came from Colombia, along with cocaine. But uh, strangely enough, I mean, you know, I want people who have problems, who want, who need a service to call. I don't want to go beat up people who don't need a service to call. So if that ad is there and runs on a consistent basis in the little town of Dunedin, for instance, and People from Dunedin every week see that, or people from Palm Harbor see that, and you know, then that's that's what I want because eventually it'll start wearing in. But how many people? That, here's my next question because I was told, and who knows what's true? I I have no idea what's true. I was told that a lot of people don't see those ads; that they're very picky about who actually sees those ads. Is that true? I, I was told that a lot of people don't see the ads, even though they're out there that Facebook is weird about that. If, if I'm advertising in a zip code and I'm covering everybody in that, every residential home in that zip code on Facebook, and it can be a, an apartment, it can be a house, I don't care, or a mobile home, I'm told that not a lot of people see those ads. Is that true? It's partly true. So basically, first of all, there's obviously your budget, right? So, you know, they, there's a certain point where your budget gets exhausted before everyone sees your ad. Right. Um, Secondly, there's a supply and demand thing where other people are running ads and they obviously don't want an ad every three images or whatever. So there's a certain amount of what we call inventory, ad inventory available. Um, thirdly, I've seen it before where the inventory is available. Um, the area is huge. There's not a lot of people advertising in the space. And yet uh, Facebook will throttle an ad that nobody's liking. Like you've got 2,000 people have seen your ad. No one's liked it. No one's commented and no one's shared. And the fact is that good ads, decent ads, get engagement. So if there isn't any engagement at all, it's it's kind of like, uh, you know, uh, a secret sign that, you know, at any moment people could start disliking the ad. And then at any moment it could, uh, it could go the other way. And they certainly don't want people to start uh, clicking, this ad isn't relevant to me, I don't want to see it anymore, I've seen it three times. You know, it's interesting, I, I've actually spent, just in one campaign alone, over $144,000 on one set of Facebook ads. And one thing I found that was really interesting was that Facebook ads have a fatigue level or a degradation level, where at first you're running it and your audience size is a million people, it's been seen by 260,000 people, and then it starts to go south. And it slowly starts to lose effectiveness. It loses uh, value. Conversions start to creep down. The the likes and shares start to creep down, even for the greatest ad ever written. And so you have to keep them fresh. And if so you, you have to change them out, you do. And even if uh, even if something uh, uh, has been effective, it will die off anyway. People get tired of seeing it. And you know, it's funny they they say that uh, you know there's 1.6 billion people on Facebook right now. Even though at the end of the day, even though what they call they say that you know uh, there's 1.6 billion people, only I think it's 
28 to 26% of them log in every single day. And, you know, there's 56% that log in once a week and, and so on. But the point is that there's actually a, there's a demographic, I think the 20 to 25% that never, like hardly ever log on of that 1.6 million email address or billion emails that they have. So the point is at the end of the day, you have to switch them up and you have to be careful that you don't throw one out there that uh, you let it go for, you know, say 10,000 impressions and it's not getting any likes, any shares or any real engagement because uh, to Facebook, they're, they're not going to let everybody see that. So, I mean, I think that really at the end of the day, if you do get a winner, even if you get a winner, it, it's probably got three months date before it's, it's no good. I, that's true. You know, one of the ways I used to market the business and well, I've done a lot of radio advertising. I'm very familiar with radio advertising. And I can tell you that in radio advertising at its best, and Scott, you probably are going to agree with me on this, you will eventually saturate your audience in radio. You will, you know, I have done campaigns on radio that have made more money than God. And eventually people have hear, heard the campaign, heard the campaign, heard the campaign. You're spending $1,000 a week on ads and, uh, you're selling $10,000, $12,000 a week worth of, you know, whatever you're selling. And people hear those ads and pretty soon everybody that listens to that radio station or that group of radio stations has heard that ad a gazillion times. And everybody who was going to buy from you has bought from you. And there's very little new people. And that's going to, I can understand how the same thing is going to happen. With uh, Facebook, it happens at home shows. We used to do home shows. I used to go and rent, spend $1,500, rent a booth in a home show and sell $30,000 worth of service. It was, it was amazing. And that would last for several home shows. And then you, you started, you know, the numbers started dropping dramatically. And I'd ask other people who had booths in the home show, what the hell's happening? Say, you notice you're seeing the same people? Everybody who's going to buy from you has bought from you. You have to go away for a while and come back and come back with something fresh and something different. And that's true in radio. So I'm sure it's true in Facebook. Michael, that's something that I was going to say with this too, is after a while when the ad sort of stop, is then you wait for a news article about bug infestation, something like that, and then right. you put it back up again and take advantage of the... Do, you, do I want to send them someplace? Do I want to send them... Do I want them to click that ad and send them to a landing page that tells them exactly what everything is. Like, do I want the ad to say, do you have German cockroaches? Click here to learn how we'll get rid of them. No. And then take it to a one-page landing page. Do I want to do that? I you don't. already said that you, when you get them on the phone, you close them. So I think I think where you start with is, here's my ad, here's my cockroach, he's German. And, and this is what it costs. This is what it costs. Call me and let's talk about it. And, and then, you, by the way, it goes from 80% closure rate there to 100% closure rate because they're really calling to buy. They are. They are. And you're good, you're good on the phone. You're good at speaking. You know what you're talking about. So that's, I would just go direct. Do you do a, a blab, Scott? I, well, I have done one. And, and I guess I'm going to be doing more. 